to another thing that I think is worthy of benefit. And again, this is quite simple. We all know it. But subhanAllah, all the power and the wealth and the prestige and the money in the world is not going to save you from death or sickness or illness. You can be the king or the queen and the angel of death has equal access to you. It doesn't matter who you are, you shall fall sick and you shall die. And we know this, but it is ibra for all of us. Kullu nafsin dha'iqatul mawt. And she lived to 90, what, six, seven years old. Her husband lived to 99, almost 100. Her husband, almost 100 years because they have the best, but they cannot escape death. So again, simple lesson, nobody can escape death regardless of who they are and everyone shall return to their Lord. Point number three, this leads us to the more interesting and the, the, the controversial stuff. Again, we really do have, as I said, some emotional extremes when it comes to that every single time, every time a non-Muslim dies, a politician, um, an actor, actress, an influential person whom the people overall loved, every time we see the same you know, spectrum of reactions. One group of people of our community, they don't care at all about the religion and they make dua and they consider, oh, he made people laugh, he's gonna go to Jannah. Oh, she did this and that, you know, built a hospital and, you know, may Allah forgive her. And they make these types of, of duas and whatnot. So we have to think, speak very frankly over here that what exactly should we do when it comes to the death of a, a non-Muslim. Well, again, so this is point number three. It's going to be divided into subcategories. The first point, 3A if you like. Very clearly, we believe that only Allah decides individuals' heaven and hell. This is a matter of our aqidah. Okay? No one has the right, even if a Muslim dies, you say, so-and-so is in Jannah, unless Allah has told you. We can say, the Sahaba, Wakr al-Siddiq is in Jannah, the Prophet, we can say that. But if Ahmad dies, if Zainab dies, if Mustafa dies, our friends and family die, we say, Insha'Allah, they're going to Jannah. We cannot say they are in Jannah. It's not allowed to. Similarly, the worst kafir dies in our lifetime. We cannot categorically state he is in Jahannam. We can say this evil tyrant has died. May he be punished the way he deserves. Okay, no problem. You're making dua against him. No problem. But we do not state an individual is going to heaven or hell unless Allah has told us. We may state Fir'aun is in Jahannam. The Quran says so. We may say Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab is in Jahannam. We may say Abu Lahab and his wife are in Jahannam. No problem. But any evil person dies in our times, you may make, you know, bad dua, as we say, you may make dua against. You may wish that evil tyrant is in Jahannam, but you cannot say categorically. This is 3A. 3B, you cannot say categorically. However, you may speak in generalities and you should speak in generalities. This is where a lot of our youth get confused. If we say evil people are going to Jahannam, some of our youth say, oh, we should not be judging. I am not judging individuals. I am speaking in generic truths. I'm not judging individuals. I'm speaking in generic truths. Righteous people will go to Jannah. That's true. Evil people will go to Jahannam. That is true. So we speak in generalities. And this is what the Quran says. It's speaking in generalities. And we say the same thing. And one of the problems that we have in our times is that Belief and Iman in theology has become something that people don't care about. 
And they say a good person should only be defined by how he treated other people. And this is what we need to teach our community, our youth, that a good person has two characteristics, good belief and good deeds. A good person from our definition is somebody who first and foremost corrects his attitude with Allah and then secondly corrects his attitude with the people. And correcting one's attitude with Allah is believing in Allah, submitting to the Prophet If somebody doesn't care about why they were created, if somebody lives an entire life not thinking about what they're doing here, then they have wasted the most important, they have neglected the most important question of their existence. And they shall be held accountable and they shall be held liable. How could you not think about why you were here? Why didn't you research and, and, and think about who created you? What is the purpose of life? Now, we all know if somebody never heard of the faith, if somebody never exposed the message, we all know there might be an excuse on the day of judgment. Yes, but the obligation to search is upon every individual. Every human being must think about these questions. We as Muslims, we think about them and alhamdulillah, we know the answers. The Quran is our hidayah, the Prophet is our prophet, Allah is our Rabb, we believe in heaven and hell, but we're still thinking of the questions. What is the purpose of life? The worship of Allah. What's gonna happen after death? Allah is gonna judge us, etc., etc. If we don't have the answers outside of Islam, we must search for them. And we firmly believe Every sincere person, sincere person who hears of Islam will be guided to the truth. So this is within point number three. Point number four, the Quran is very clear. Those who die without believing in their creator, without accepting their prophet, we are not allowed to specifically and by name make dua for them. This is very clear. And there is actually no ambiguity from the Quran. And there's also no difference of opinion amongst all of the mainstream madahib. There is no ikhtilaf in this issue because the Quran is so clear. In one verse, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ amanu. It is not allowed for the Prophet ﷺ or for the believers. And يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ That they ask Allah to forgive the mushrik even if they be close family members. It's very clear. Even if it's your close family members, don't say, may Allah forgive you after they die. So this is very clear and there is no controversy over this issue. Now this does raise questions amongst our youth. But why? Why can't we ask for forgiveness? And we say a number of points. Firstly, not asking for forgiveness doesn't mean that perhaps they might not have an excuse on the day of judgment. That's between them and Allah. Allah knows their situation. Allah knows whether they never heard of Islam. Allah knows if they were truly sincere and for example, Najashi, a simple example, Najashi converted secretly and nobody knew. And that's why the Prophet had to make the announcement, your brother Najashi has died, let's pray janazah for him. Nobody prayed janazah over the Najashi in his palace. But Najashi was a secret Muslim, right? So when we say we don't make istighfar, this is not a ruling that he's going to Jahannam. We already said, rule number one, who judge? Or rule number two, who judges? Allah judges. We don't judge. So not making istighfar is a fiqhi ruling, not a theological verdict, okay? Also, we need to uh, understand this point as well, that uh, when we say we're not going to ask forgiveness for them, this means after they pass away, in this lifetime when they're alive, one may make dua for non-Muslims who are still alive. 
May Allah bless you. May Allah guide you. May Allah give you. All of this is permissible. So we're only saying once they pass away, we cannot make istighfar. And also, by the way, again, I don't understand personally why some of our youth are troubled by this. This person did not believe in Allah. So why would you ask the God he didn't believe in to forgive him? It doesn't make sense to me. This person didn't believe in the God that you believe in. So why do you want to ask the God he didn't believe in to forgive him? Let it be. And if he truly believed in that God, he shall be forgiven. Simple as that. And if he didn't believe, well then, that's between the, he, that's, he, that's the choice that he made. So, if a famous person dies, whom, who impacted you, right? And you feel a sadness. Okay, that's it. Don't ask for istighfar. Don't bring in Allah Azza wa Jalla say, may Allah forgive. But at the same time, don't let other people make you feel guilty if there's a generic sadness going on here. And again, uh, uh, so many things can be said here. For example, uh, the hadith in Sahih Muslim, when uh, the Prophet was sitting, and the famous, as you all know, when the janazah of a Jewish person passed by. Now in those days, Jews dressed differently than the Ansar. And they had their clothes and whatnot. Everybody could see is the janazah of a Jewish person. They're all dressed in their you know, specific uniforms and whatnot. And the Prophet stood up. Because that was the custom of the time. Just like in our culture, when the hearth is driving by, you pull your car aside and you let the hearth go. Is that not the case, right? There's an adab that is given to the deceased. In their culture, in the time of Medina, the people would stand up and just, you know, watch the person go by. Okay? The Prophet, the hadith is inside Muslim. The Prophet stood up and the Sahaba were shocked. Ya Rasulullah, can't you see it's a Yahudi? Can't you see janazah? I mean, you could see, but they're trying to make sense of this. Ya Rasulullah, this is janazah of the Yahudi. And do you know what his response was? Was he not a human? Was he not a human? Now, our fuqaha say the ruling of standing for the deceased is abrogated. Okay, fine, let it be abrogated. But the adab of showing ihtiram is not abrogated. The adab of having some respect, that is not abrogated. That's an aqidah issue here now. And aqidah is never abrogated. The fact that the Prophet said, was he not a human? Wasn't he an insan? Okay, he's not a Muslim. I'm not going to the qabr and making dua for him. And our sharia is not that, you know, mean or nasty or cruel that we are told to not even show the basics of humanity. In contrast to some groups who believe this, I strongly disagree. And the seerah is the best example for this. And point number seven, final point. How about offering consolations? When a non-Muslim passes away, how about making statements of sympathy and whatnot? The majority of our fuqaha have said in an Islamic land, when we are the dominant and the ahl al-dhim are the minority, the majority of scholars said that it is permissible, permissible to give words of comfort to the dhimmi. This is when we are in Darul Islam. What do you think when we are not in Darul Islam? And Imam An-Nawawi says, when a dhimmi, his child dies or somebody dies of his, you should say to this person, may Allah give you more wealth and more children. May Allah not show you any more loss. Ibn Qayyim says this is the correct opinion. Ibn Qayyim, some people think these are the harsh, but no, actual ulama are full of humanity and sympathy. Ibn Qayyim says that if a non-Muslim suffers a tragedy, loses a child, you should give words of comfort and make generic dua. Generic dua, may Allah give you more children. What's wrong with that? May Allah grant you patience now. May Allah bless you at this time. You may make dua for the living. We said this. 
Well, you make, make dua for the living. And even in one report, Imam Ahmad was asked and he said this. Imam Abu Hanifa said this. So this is well main established. This is in Darul Islam. How much more so when we are not in Darul Islam and the world expects these words of sympathy and comfort and whatnot. We may make such generic, you know, uh, 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 praises. In any case, bottom line, brothers and sisters, there's nothing wrong with generic grief. There's nothing wrong with generic aspects of you know expressing comfort and whatnot the theology is very clear and there's no need to make dua there's no need to pronounce judgments but in the end of the day there is much to benefit from historically and even inshallah through this lecture for future incidents as well